and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Welcome back to Soberholic Podcast. My name's Roger. I'm your host, along with your co-host, Jason Rice. And Jason, what's up, man? Man, it is a beautiful day outside. It's been rainy here for like a long time, you know? And it's going to be rainy tomorrow, too. Yeah, I mean, we're just in that 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 point of of the year where it's dreary rainy and cold sometimes but it's just nice to see the sun it is um yesterday no it was day before yesterday is what i call a bluebird sky there was no clouds whatsoever just oh yeah pure blue sky in the sun it was it was beautiful mm-hmm. and it looks like today's gonna be close to the same yeah it's nice out there so look i, I got some ideas for our our show today okay so uh, we've tried to stay off of this kick for a while, but I mean it's not really going away. Uh, COVID, right? Oh yeah. And yeah. um, I, kind of our 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 show today will kind of it's kind of linked to that, or I I could link it to that. Is um I've had a few people in my family end up with it, like mm-hmm. not my immediate, but like it was actually my uncle and my aunt for one, and some others as well. But I, I got to talking to him a, a few days ago. And um, he he had a few months ago. In fact, it was right after Christmas, I think, is when it was, or right before Christmas, I believe it was. And um, he had, you know, I think at that point we were still like under a fourteen day deal. You needed to quarantine and get away for fourteen days, uh, not be around anybody to prevent it from spreading. You know, and he he went. He and his wife went through it really well, no problems. You know, per se, other than just kind of a cold. And but what happened was really nobody wanted to be around him at all, and even after the fourteen days, um, he didn't. Nobody really wanted to be around him. Like he was, you yeah. know, this this tainted person. Yeah. You know, you, you had it. You know, yeah. we're not gonna get around you. And even after the fourteen days, he had to go back and get. You know, he's retired, so he didn't have to clear himself to go to uh, work or anything. But he went back to make sure he was good. And he kept getting these positive results, even though it had been. The 14 days. Because uh, if you'll remember, and, and I've even heard now, some people will test positive for months. For afterwards. months, yeah. Well, um, this went on for a while, but even his doctor's saying, you're fine. You can go around to everybody you want to go around. You're not going to spread it, but nobody wanted to be around him. Mm. And um, and as we talked, he's like, you know, I just feel like a leper is what he kept <laughs> saying. Yeah. And, you know, if we look back in biblical times, we see this leper is a lot the same. Nobody wanted to be around um, the leper. I mean, in fact, I believe they even had their own little colonies because mm-hmm. they would be kicked out from, you know, the towns. Um, they were quarantined. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they were, that like was they exactly. were quarantined. Yeah. In fact, they didn't even have to wear a little bell and jingle it, you know, screaming unclean, unclean yeah. when you came close to them to make sure you didn't get close to touch them or anything. And, you know, that's kind of how some people now, if you've been diagnosed or given this COVID, this probably the way you feel. And I know that I have felt that way, not because of COVID, but because of just being an addict or an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I feel different. I feel separated from society and the community. And uh, I feel like nobody wanted me around for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, lepers back then, I mean, they were just total outcasts. You know, they, like you said, they had their own colonies. 
they were financially dependent on the charity of other people. You know, they couldn't they couldn't work, couldn't make a living for themselves. Um, and, and some of it is because you know all the 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 mosaic laws, the, the the laws that the Jews had around being clean. If you touch somebody who was unclean, like a leper, then you would be unclean, and you know it, it would get get onto you or whatever. Well, and also you would get leprosy too. And um, you know they were just they were seen as it was they were like the lowest level of society were lepers. And, you know, uh, I know the stigma of addiction and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. It has changed a lot in, in the positive sense in the last 10, 15 years or whatever. Well, I guess really just kind of in the last 10 years. I mean, when I was, you know, in active addiction, I mean, I felt it all the time. Right. You know, I felt like an outcast. I felt like society looked down upon me. And, um, you know, if you just purely look at it from my the actions that you know my actions at the time i mean there was decent reason you know to to look down on what i was doing but now i i feel like as a society we have a, a greater understanding of addiction as um you know as as a disease and we won't get into all that but you know that it's not just the person is a sorry person you know they're not just morally corrupt and it's kind of the same thing with the lepers you know they uh, they weren't morally corrupt people and that wasn't really the reason why they were being looked down upon but i i do feel like there is definitely still stigma against people who are in addiction um for sure it's not i'm not saying it's gone away at all right but i i think it's moving in the right direction but i mean you know, especially like if you're early on in, in recovery or you're in active addiction now, you undoubtedly have felt um, like an outcast and looked down upon. Um, I mean, there's still discrimination against, you know, people who had a felony conviction, you know, 15 years ago and they can't find work. I mean, it's still, it's still ongoing and everything. But I, I feel like this story has a lot of truths in it that that can be um you know drawn out from the scriptures that that can help help us in recovery yeah today um i, I want us to talk about the, um just one instance of this leper that jesus has an encounter with and i know it's recorded in mark uh chapter one and it doesn't really say what i'm about to say here in this but i, I heard a sermon one time in a recovery meeting uh, it was part of a, a celebrate recovery that really wasn't done exactly like a celebrate recovery should be done, you know, according to the, like the DNA and their traditional yeah. format. Uh, this pastor, I assume, was a pastor. He took a lot of liberty, but he um, acted as if he was this leper and kind of gave his testimony. Uh, and yeah. it was amazing because, huh. you know, when you think about a leper, or at least me, I think, well, he's always been a leper. And he's like, no. Um, the, and he, he talked about, you know, he put himself in the leper's position before he had leprosy. Oh, yeah. And he said, you know, I, I had just left um, my wife and kids. I went out to the fields and I had been working hard with a mule and all this. 
person. You know, he really painted the picture much better than I'm fixing to. He had a normal but, life. Um, yeah, had a normal life. Yeah. And he said, you know, one day he just looked down at his arm and I seen a little bubble there and, you know, a little rash come up. And um, nothing about it. He went back home to his family, fed, and, you know, all of that. And, you know, and this went on and on. And his rash got worse and worse. He goes to the priest to figure out what's going on and finds out, you know, that he's got leprosy. And he's, you know, he, he's a he's kicked out from his yeah. away from his family away from his community everything he's all alone and not only that he's having to have this bail and he's he's screaming unclean when people come around and it really shows how he was a normal person and then just something changed you know he got leprosy and they didn't know how to fix it so he was just remu removed from everybody and i really feel like that's how it's been with a lot of us in addiction you know, I really felt normal for a long time in my life, and I began to dabble with drugs and alcohol and, you know, just did it like a normal person. And then for somewhere down the road, everything went south, and I became an addict and alcoholic, and nobody really knew what to do with me. And so everybody mm -hmm. kind of just kept me at arm's reach. Yeah. And rightfully so, because I was going to steal something from you if, <laughs> right. if you didn't. Yeah, sure. And so I can really relate with this leper of how things went and just the hopelessness he must felt when he had, you know, his loving wife and his beautiful daughter. You know, it doesn't say that he has well, yeah. this. I'm just it's giving just you for instance. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he's out on his own all by himself and just feels hopeless and desperate and just lonely. And I think that's how we feel in addiction. Yeah. Uh, the loneliness really takes its toll. And, and for the longest time, when I was in active addiction, I would just always remember him being like, I just wish everybody would leave me alone, you know, and then they did. And then I was like, wait, no, wait, just kidding. You know, it's not what I'm, <laughs> you want to be alone until you're alone. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I can't imagine, you know, how the leper, you know, or people with leprosy feel that they can't even be a part of society anymore. Um, you know, and and I don't, I know you can't draw direct parallels between leprosy and drug addiction, and that's not what we're trying to do. We're just we're just trying to show that there are definite similarities there. Yeah, well, that's been our whole goal as we've went through these different characters and uh, these testimonies or stories through the, through the Bible is to bring the Bible to life to show you that it's more than just. A story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a fairy tale we read. They're real people with you know real places at a real time, and to show you that you know we can relate with them if we look for the similarities instead of the differences. You know, that's what we've been taught in recovery. Well, the whole time I've been in recovery, that's you know over and over again that's been told to me. Mm -hmm. So this this leper here, we see it in Mark one. Now, before we jump ahead. Isn't this recorded somewhere else besides Mark as well, or is Ooh. it just me? Um, um, I think you're not it's, sure. Uh, it's in um, Matthew eight, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I was just, I was, I was just thinking there was more than one, and I just happened to read over Mark one when we was doing this, and and I know it's several times throughout scripture you'll see the same story given from a different viewpoint and you'll see that as different accounts um and sometimes they even look a little different 
And I say that to say this, is if you begin reading the Bible for the first time and they look a little different, well, remember, these are from two perspectives. They're mm-hmm. written from two different authors. Mm-hmm. Each book of the Bible, um, you'll see is written from a different person. And so that's the reason you may see that a little different because it comes from a different point of view. But here we see that this leper had lost all hope, or it seemed to be that he lost all hope, except in Jesus. Right. You know, he, he says, okay, you know, this guy is my only ticket out. Yeah. You know, he, he's got to do something because the priest can't save me. Um, the community can't save me. My wife, my, my daughter, all these other people, they they can't heal this problem I've got going on. But they keep hearing. He, I'm sure he's heard stories right. of this Jesus guy, yeah. and he can he can fix what nobody else can fix. And that's kind of where it, it starts there in mm. Mark is that he's over on his knees begging Jesus, just make this go away. Yeah. Let's read it. Let's just read that little section. Um, this is Mark 1, 40 through 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for yourself cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk (laughs) freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So, I mean, I... I can relate here. In my own recovery, I tried everything I could to fix my addiction myself. I tried, you know, trying to limit what I drank, trying to to only do certain types of drugs, try to hang around with certain people, but I never really fixed anything. Mm. It wasn't until I was willing to go to this Jesus I was so resentful at that anything ever changed for me because I was always trying to do it in my own power. And this leper realized he could not do it on his own. He had to have someone, someone or something bigger than himself to fix him, and that's where he found Jesus. Yeah, and it's and it, it, he was immediately healed. Yeah, right. Might, might even says cured. Right. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting that Jesus touched him. You know, he touched him. He touched somebody who had leprosy, and in and in those days, if you touched him, like we already said, you were unclean. But Jesus showed his compassion to the man, and uh, you know that is powerful to me. Um, I. I often don't think of of I often forget and lose sight that not only was Jesus God himself and divine but he was also 100% human too. And so I think when you whenever I see he had compassion on him or he had in this in my version it says he had pity on him. You know, I I it puts me in touch with Jesus the human being. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's amazing that, um, you know, Jesus, who is God, you know, the creator of all the universe could have compassion on, on this man and, and on us and, and, and perform a miracle like this. But what I want to get at is the, the part about he was immediately healed. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I think about addiction, 
you know, and I think we might have touched on this before. Um, I know people that have been, you know, immediately delivered from their their drug or alcohol addiction. And uh, that was AT&T calling. <laughs> Good old AT&T. They mess it up all the time. Got them! Anyway, um, I know a lot of people. You know, we're, we're definitely leaving this in. Like, I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> anyway, because I don't like AT&T. Um, but anyway, like, I know people who have immediately been, like, delivered, you know, by the Lord from their drug or alcohol addiction and they never they put it down and they never picked it back up again. Right. And I'm like, you know, praise God for that. That's great. That just wasn't my experience. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think that's everybody's experience by by no stretch of the imagination. But what I want to point out here is immediately after he was healed, Jesus gave him instructions, specific instructions. Right. You know, um he said uh don't tell anybody that this happened. Go show yourself to the priest, who in those days doubled as kind of like a doctor. Yeah, he would give you the all clear. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were a doctor. They were the sanitation crew. They're, I mean, they did it all. So he showed himself to a priest so the priest would have proof, you know, that this is real. Mm-hmm. He really is clean um, because, yeah, the priest would give you the all clear. What it reminded me of is another story in John. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. In John chapter 5, there's another healing where Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. Yeah. And he heals him. Immediately he heals him. But then he gives him instructions right afterwards that says, See, you are well. Go and sin no more so that nothing worse will happen to you. And I found that interesting that it wasn't just you're healed, bye bye. Right. You know there there was instruction there, and it, and it made me think about my own recovery as far as like I do feel like I've been delivered from you know the addiction of drugs and alcohol, but it doesn't mean that I don't still have to do my part. Does that make sense? Oh, without without a doubt. See. I, I notice just in religious circles, um, usually the Baptists um, and, and usually the Methodists will never use the terminology delivered. I'm okay with it now. Um, and then you Do use you your it? more charismatic places will say they are delivered. And really, I think it's all just to play on words. Yeah. When, when we talk about being delivered from drugs and alcohol, it's not so much that, oh, I can go drink and drug no, no, again no. now. It simply means that I don't have that daily obsession to right. do it anymore. Yeah. You know, so I would have completely agree with you on that front. I, I, I would say I'm delivered from drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I still have a thought from time to time sure. and nothing's changed. I'm not enslaved to it anymore. Exactly. That's all I mean by Exactly. Yeah. Without a doubt. You know, and one thing I think, if I, if I remember correctly, that story in John with that guy at the pool, um, Jesus asked him one thing. He said, do you want to be healed? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's a big thing. He didn't ask this leopard, do you want to be healed? Because he's on his knees begging. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lord, just take this away from me. Let me go see my family again. Yeah. I, you know, I miss my little girl. He didn't say that, but back to my illustration earlier, he just wanted to go back to normal. And um, I, I, that's the desperation cry I gave to Jesus in recovery this time is, you know, I, 
I just want it to be different. Lord, help me. Mm-hmm. And that's really almost how my, my plea and my salvation story begins is with that. And um, it happened at a rehab bed. You know, I was out of options. He was my only option. And it wasn't that I, you know, heard some beautiful hymn and, you know, that was my moment and angels sang and all of that. It was purely out of desperation and with nowhere else to go. And the cool thing about it is that he met me right there in the midst of that, just like he met this leper right there when no one else would be around him because he was unclean and nobody wanted to touch him. Just think of what that guy must have felt like when Jesus reached down just and touched him. It may have been years or decades since he had felt the physical touch of someone again. Mm. And just, you know, I don't know about you, but I remember when I was in the military, um, I had been kind of separated from all my loved ones for a long time. And when my mother threw her arms around me to see me after I'd been gone for a while, that meant everything in the mm. world. Like all I could do was cry because I just wanted to be embraced <laughs> yeah. by someone yeah. and just to feel that physical contact from someone who wasn't afraid to touch me. That was a huge deal. And Jesus was willing to cross that barrier that everyone else said, you can't touch him. And he did it. And, um, that's where I, that's where Jesus found me is right there when no one else when everybody else said don't get close to him he came to me. Yeah. And 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 in both of those stories with the 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 man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5 and then in this story in Mark 1 both of them had a desire to want to get well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus had to kind of kind of poke it out of uh, the man in John 5 a little bit. Which I've never really understood that. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus knew the well, answer to that. Well, the guy wasn't like, I'm just laying here with nothing else to do today. Well, I mean, you could draw a parallel with the recovery on that one, too, because, like, a lot of people, and like with the with the man at um, the pool of Bethesda in John 5, he was making a bunch of excuses mm-hmm. of why he couldn't get well, of why he couldn't get into the pool. Oh, you know, people come and get into the pool before me, and then I can't get in. Ain't got nobody to put me down there. Nobody will put help me to get in there. He had a bunch of excuses, and, and you know, it took Jesus saying, but do, do you actually want to get well, or are you just going to keep making excuses? And so, you know, he did have the desire to get well, and I think that's a lot of people in recovery. That was me for a long time is – you know, I, I would I would go and get into recovery, but you see, like, I need to get a good job first, and, you know, I need to have a, a, a relationship, you know. If this if this would just go away, if this problem would go away or that one, then, then I could get well. And, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, I just, I wasn't quite ready to get sober. Even though I wanted to, I wasn't ready to take any kind of action on it. And then Mark chapter one the 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 leper he he had took you know he had taken the action and approached jesus himself and so i you know i think i i I like the fact that there's the willingness and the the desire to actually want to get you know you know um healed well i want to take a jab at this um because I even talked to you before the show a little bit about this because you mentioned that Jesus gave this leper some instructions. Mm-hmm. His instructions was, you know, to go um, offer these sacrifices. And as you said, don't go tell anybody. Which you, the sacrifices, just to point out, that was the way they worshiped God right. during during this time. And so he was basically saying, go worship God, you know. 
but go you, ahead. But you would think that worship would also be to follow the instructions that <laughs> the man who just changed your life yeah. gave you, yeah. which means don't go tell anybody other than the priest. You know, And he didn't do that. He went and told everybody. And he goes on to say that Jesus um, uh, could no longer enter a town openly and stayed outside in lonely places. This is my take on this. Because I always said, why would Jesus heal this man, cure this man, and tell him not to tell everybody? Would this not be a reason for other people to come to believe in him? Mm -hmm. Well, as I've read through other parts of the Bible, um, I could see that there's many people who follow Jesus just for the miracles, Mm. just to get something out of him. And now I just, I believe as I've read through this a couple of times, this leper wasn't coming for anything other than to be made whole. Mm. And um, I don't think there was a selfish motive here. I mean, he, he genuinely came to Jesus because Jesus was the Messiah. He was the only one that could really change him, and he believed that. He wasn't going for selfish gain. I mean, maybe you could make the case, well, he wanted to go see his family, and that's the only way he could do it. Right. Possibly. I, I, I don't yeah. know. But I, I know that there were many people who would walk away from Jesus because he wouldn't give them, you know, more food to eat right. or wouldn't perform a miracle in front of him, uh, in front in front of them. And I think Jesus knew then um, that it was better just to keep it quiet for the moment that they were in, so that he could get to reach more people, not to stay outside the cities. Um, because if you remember, there's people trying to kill Jesus this whole right, time. Yeah. Oh, and the yeah. more this gets stirred up, the less he can be seen in public. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my take of, of why things happened the way they did. I don't know. That, I, think that's, I think that's the best explanation I could come up with, too, is that Jesus didn't want people to treat him like Santa Claus, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though... Santa Claus was like, you know, 500 years later or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted the, a lot of people were wanting the gift mm-hmm. and they didn't want the giver. Right. You know, they didn't want, they just wanted the things that, that Jesus could give them materially and physically and didn't want to have anything to do with the spiritual part. I think that's a good explanation. Yeah. So, and, um, you know, another thing is just, as we look through the Bible, and this I'm sure will not be the only thing that it comes up that I can't say with certainty that I've come to a complete um, knowledge of knowing how exactly it played out. I've noticed there's a lot of things throughout Scripture that I'm just I'm not really sure about. Sure. I mean, um, and. The great thing is you don't have to be. No, just yeah. like you earlier, you was trying to explain 100% man Jesus, 100% oh, yeah, God Jesus. Yeah. You're not going to explain right. that all the way. I can give you some reasons why that, that's true, but um, and I can show you in Scripture where it shows that to be true. Yeah. But um, if you try to logically explain everything, well, our mind just can't understand an infinite God. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's okay not to know it exactly what you're reading yeah uh, but not just to take everything for face value to kind of give some thought to it yeah to, for me the, this this passage um the bottom line my my big takeaway from it was our past doesn't have to define us it's not it's not who we are and when we come into a real encounter with jesus we are forever changed he changes us and and makes us a completely new man this leper, you know, 
I have to imagine he looked terrible. And then in the story, I know it doesn't describe, you know, what happened to him physically or whatever. But in my mind, he went from looking terrible to looking great, you know, just just as far as physical appearance. And, um, you know, the, the, the dramatic transformation that the power of Jesus can bring in a person's life, as you were, you and I are both testimonies too. Um, it, it, it's not even the same person. I meet, um, um, at, at, from, from time to time, I'll, I'll meet somebody and they won't know anything about my story or my testimony or whatever. And, you know, several months into them knowing me, they'll find out and they'll, they'll say, I just cannot see you being that person. I can't see you being like that, being a drug addict and being in and out of jail and psych wards and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know why? It's because I'm not that person anymore. Right. And uh, because, you know, Jesus has radically changed who I am, you know, deep down, um, you know, as, as a person. And, and um, you know, it's just an amazing testimony to the power of God. Even though the the story of the leper is only about five verses long, I see what you said, what the point you made there, and I see that Jesus will meet you no matter where you're at, as sick and as helpless as you may be, and um, that's hope for me. Uh, if He could do it for that guy, if He could do it for you, He can do it for me, and He can do it for anyone who's listening. And um, I, I hope that's the takeaway that all of our listeners. Um, take away and, and feel that we're not too far gone, that uh, he can save the worst of us. Mm. It's just about willing to, you know, come to that humble realization that we can't fix it and that he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Well, buddy, I think that is um, the end to another episode. That's it. You know, if I feel like we, we just kind of chug these things out and we get further and further down the road. I never would have thought we would be this far down and this consistent with this when we first started. It um coming up on a hundred. I know, man. I yeah. know. And um you know, the cool thing about it is it's gotten me and you to get to know each other a lot better mm-hmm. and it's really strengthened and grew my recovery through oh, it all. Yeah. So anyways, we thank y'all for listening to us, uh, being a part of the journey and just being a great superholic. So that's the <laughs> end of another one, buddy. My name's Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out soberholicpodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. <laughs>